1: Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your MLB and the MLBPA are finally sort of actually talking, so there might be baseball sometime in 2022. Home for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Andy is not with us today, but Danny Rocket is, and I am thrilled to get to talk about some Hall of Fame news and some CBA news with the one and only Danny Rocket, How's it going?
0: Oh, it is going great. The uh, the freezing uh, zero degree temperatures finally broke in Chicago. Now we're warmed up to a balmy high 20s. Very nice. You know,
1: <laughs> there's a reason wearing shorts. that I, re- I like retreated to my parents' house for most of this winter. I was like, yeah, COVID winter, not doing it. <laughs> I'm just going to go somewhere where it's about 40 instead of 20 and be able to walk around in rural Utah. <laughs> I,
0: I have a friend who lives in L.A. that uh, wrote me last night. He goes, aren't you cold? He's looking at the temperatures. I'm like, no, I'm staying inside. I'm not cold inside.
1: Right. I'm like, fine. I, I am not leaving my house. So it's totally cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good with it. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm glad it's a balmy 20 there. Can't wait till it's a balmy 45 and we can head to Wrigley Field. We will talk about the prospects <laughs> for whether or not we'll get to head to Wrigley Field at some point this season in the second half of the show. But first we're going to start with some Hall of Fame stuff and and to kick that off, you know, it's just brought to my attention by a piece on Bleed Cubby Blue by the one and only Al Yellen that this is Ryan Sandberg day, speaking of Hall of Famers, right? So this is the day that Ryan Sandberg Uh, the longtime second baseman of the Cubs, a Hall of Famer himself, joined the Chicago Cubs. And I thought this might be a nice way to kick us off here because Ryan Sandberg was not exactly a fan of the steroid era. And if you remember his Hall of Fame speech, it is all about respecting the game. It is all about playing the game right. It's sort of like a knife (laughs) to the steroid era that he played during. And this ballad, as far as I'm concerned, you know, we'll talk about... David Ortiz, who got in, we'll talk about the players who didn't, but it feels like we're at the culmination of the steroid era and what those results are going to be for the Hall of Fame. And Danny, I'm just curious, what are your meta thoughts about the steroid era and the Hall of Fame before we dig into David Ortiz's specific case and some of the guys who don't get a shot anymore on the writers' ballot.
0: Yeah, well, Sarah, I read your article about it, and so I'm just going to kind of parrot everything you said because it was pretty much how I feel. It's that the the whole system is kind of messed up right now. I mean, we all know the writers get to pick. Um, it's been that way for a long time. Uh, I don't know that that is the best way to choose people. You got the character clause. You got a lot of guys caught up in the steroid era scandal. You've uh, you've already said no to the cheat to the uh, the gambling cheaters. You know they're not in. Uh, anybody that had any domestic violence they're not in so it's 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 the hall of people that played baseball exceptionally well but also are very good people at at least that we know about and uh, because there's obviously a lot of guys in the hall of fame that did a lot of those terrible things that uh, and still ended up in the hall because we didn't find out about it in time so and people's standards uh, morally change over the years um the steroid era, It's there's a lot of inconsistencies that you point out. I don't know how deep you want to get into it, but like, I love the idea that the people have been pointing out, including you, that Bud Selig, who presided as commissioner over all of this, is in the Hall of Fame. In fact, he's got a museum. The Bud... Well, I don't even know. It's not even a museum. It's called the Bud Selig Experience oh, up at Miller Park. Like... Yeah, you know, There's no Pete Rose experience, and I can tell you which one would be more fun. <laughs> um, but, I, but what I'm saying is, it's like, you, you gatekeep some of these guys because you like them. You don't gate, gatekeep other ones. It's just, it's such a mess. I mean, I don't know. Should they just do it by war? And then, all right, you hit this level, you're in. These are Hall of Fame numbers, boom, you're done. And I don't know what to do. You got the character thing, but they're inconsistent with that. It's just... It's it's losing credibility. That's my overall thought on the whole thing is I'm starting to care less about it because it doesn't make so much sense to me.
1: Well, I think that last point you made is the one that is most important from my mind, which is that fans are not going to care about this museum that is ostensibly supposed to tell the history of the nation's pastime by celebrating the greatest players and their excellence on the field if it doesn't actually tell that story in a way that resonates with fans. And I, I recognize look like we'll, we'll dive into all of this. We'll dive into the steroid era itself. We'll dive into the character clause issues. Cause I think those are two separate things and we can talk about how they manifest themselves, but you're spot on. Like the idea that Bud Selig gets to be celebrated. He's the guy who totally dropped the ball on all of this. He oversaw two, not one, two CBA negotiations during this era When people knew steroids were a problem and he didn't get a drug policy into the CBA. And I sort of feel like if the commissioner is doing his job during that 10 year period, there would have been a drug policy earlier. He wanted the home runs. He wanted the fans cheering for the long, long bombs that Sammy was hitting out onto Waveland and down the street. Right? Like he wanted people cheering for big Mac in St. Louis. He, he, Probably wanted Barry Bonds to jump into this fray, right? Like it is ridiculous that these people are being punished for basically doing the thing that the league gave tacit approval to for a decade.
0: Yeah. They, I mean, not only did he preside over it, he benefited from it all because he works for the owners. How do the owners make money by selling tickets and jerseys and all the things they sell and getting everybody excited about baseball, which everybody was as these jacked up, you know, no neck uh, muscle heads went up there with a bat that looks like their pinky finger and hit balls into the river. So, um, or the Bay or whatever the heck of that is on San Francisco. Um, you know, so it's like, it's inconsistent to me. Uh, the writers themselves who vote on this stuff, they, you know, they wrote article after article about, and they sold lots of papers as, you know, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire went into their home run competition. Everybody was looking at the front cover of the Chicago Tribune or the St. Louis dispatch or whatever it's called. And, you know, they're selling lots of papers they got their, they made their money talking about these guys. And then when it comes down to it, they can't vote for them. Um, you know, it just, it's all very inconsistent in the way we pick the Hall of Fame is dumb. And the way, I mean, it's just, and I don't know. It's just, what should guys have good character to get in there? Maybe, maybe that is what we should hold it to. Maybe that is part of it. Um, but then you got to hold the, you got to, you got to be consistent, but, and you can't be. Cause it's, it's nuanced and it's sloppy and it's flawed and just like life.
1: Yeah. We're going to get to that whole character being sloppy and flawed and frankly, very hard for individual writers to pass. I can speak on on this actually. uh, Good. Yeah. Danny can be our resident expert on character being sloppy and
0: flawed. Um, Lots of experience.
1: Let's start with some good news. So David Ortiz, big poppy instrumental to the Red Sox teams that broke the curse of the Bambino. He was the ALCS in the 2004 ALCS. And if you don't know what happened in that championship series, you must've been living on Neptune at the time. It's one of the most exciting championship series I've ever seen in my life. A uh, quick recap, you know, the Red Sox are playing the Yankees. The Yankees are up 3-0, and the Red Sox come back two games and extra innings. It starts with a David Ortiz walk-off in game four uh, you get a David Ortiz walk off in the 14th inning in Game Five. Like the whole thing is ridiculous, right? Like the Red Sox and Yankees, like everything's out of control. And it, in addition to his postseason antics, which are just remarkable, right? Like the man has a win probability added for the postseason all time of 3.2. He's the all time leader in win probability added in the postseason. The next guy, who I'm sure Cubs fans are familiar with, Albert Pujols, is. Quite far behind at 2.8. I mean, big poppy in the postseason was must see TV, but he also slashed 286, 385, 52 with a WRC plus of 140 across 10,091 plate appearances. He has seven Silver Slugger Awards. He was a 10-time all-star. He hit 554 50 five, weren't say that again. 541 <laughs> career home runs, 483 of which came with the Red Sox which sandwiches him between two other first ballot Hall of Famers, Ted Williams and Carl Yastrzemski on the Red Sox all-time leader list. And I just want to be really clear. I love Big Poppy. He might be my favorite Red Sox player of that era. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's questionable as to whether or not he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. That's why his vote total was at 77.9%. It's not exactly a slam dunk. It's actually the fourth lowest uh, vote total of all time for a first ballot Hall of Famer. But who cares? It doesn't say that on your plaque. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer forever. The problem is not David Ortiz. Like, David Ortiz being in the Hall is totally fine, in my opinion, and great. The problem is that David Ortiz is, like, the fifth or sixth best player on this ballot. I mean,
0: <laughs> can we talk <laughs> yeah. about
1: this for a second? Like, does anybody actually believe David Ortiz is the best player on this ballot?
0: No. I, well, no. They think is he's the best Player on the ballot that's also a good person, or at least did not officially get ch- caught cheating because you know, he was mentioned in that one leak. But, um, you know, you look at his, a lot of guys with similar numbers to him uh, that he's compared to, like on baseball reference, for example, they're in the Hall of Fame. Frank Thomas, okay, Jim Tomey, Jeff Bagwell, Willie McCovey, like these are the names. But there's a bunch of guys that aren't. And I think it'll be that aren't in the Hall of Fame. And I think it'll be uh, instructive as to in with similar numbers to David Ortiz that aren't in the Hall of Fame, like Manny Ramirez or Gary Sheffield or Rafael Palmero. And there it's, that's who his similarity as a batter is, is uh, compared to on Baseball Reference. So it can go either way with where he is in the number. First ballot, it's, you know, probably not especially if this was a clean class you know if you don't have Roger Clemens expiring if you don't have Barry Bonds expiring if you don't have all these names out there that aren't getting the enough votes to stay on uh, or uh, you know then yeah then they're making a statement with Ortiz being the guy that gets in cuz it's now the hall of guys with good enough numbers that we also think are good people and we like them and they're from the east coast
1: yeah the the that's we a big think, part of it too we think they're good people and we like them is where i want to go next because look I, I actually years ago before i was a contributor at bcb when i was just like pumping out fan posts and writing comments and stuff and hanging out in the game threads with all the cool game thread people um I actually wrote a fan post when that 2003 report got written about in, I think it was 2009 in the New York Times. Yes. The New York Times is the one who broke the news that, and their headline, I went back and looked at it. Their headline is David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez in 2003 confidential report on steroids. I'm like, there are Yankees in this report too, New York. Like, Thank you for just focusing on the Red Sox in your headline, aren't you cute? The
0: name of the paper is New York (laughs) Times, so they will take any opportunity, even though they're supposed to be above the fray to act like the post. Right, (laughs) totally.
1: Um, But this report is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, it was a survey that was done before the testing regime that was just supposed to gather data. It was was trying to look at how widespread the problem of steroid use was. And, And for people who remember baseball back in that time, or maybe even if you don't, Um, A little bit of context here, you know, the supplement regime was was pretty much running wild at that point in time. You could go into a GNC and get some sort of nutritional supplement or muscle growth thing that may or may not have actually contained steroids in it because the FDA wasn't really regulating those things. David Ortiz has always maintained that he was taking supplements and had no idea there were steroids in them. To his credit, he never failed a test. He played in the testing regime for over a decade. His teammate Manny Ramirez failed two tests. His yeah. rival Alex Rodriguez failed two tests. Robinson Cano, also playing during that time, failed two tests. I mean, there are a lot of guys recently who are,
0: failed tests, right? Who I mean, are also he never stopped.
1: Exactly, who are also like had some had some questions about them, uh, who failed who failed tests, and David Ortiz did not. But I think it's worth noting that the work to set the stage for David Ortiz to be the guy who was okay, who was not tainted by steroids, began years ago. Like writers started talking about how this 2003 report was different and failed tests were distinct years ago. I've been hearing that and seeing that in people's writing for a really long time. And there is speculation. And I think it's warranted that that's because David Ortiz is a likable guy. He's fun. He's big poppy. He gave interviews to the press. He was always the guy you could go talk to and have a good time with. You know who's not a fun guy? Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling's not a fun guy. <laughs> Kurt Schilling's not tied to steroids either. As depends far as what I can tell, do- Kurt depends Schilling's- what the- you
0: enj- Depends what you enjoy doing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt, you Kurt, think Schilling's Kurt Schilling's, Schilling's just fun. out
1: because he's, he's a jerk. He's a jerk who yeah. tweeted a bunch of crazy <laughs> stuff and everybody was like, whoa, I don't want to be affiliated with that guy anymore. Like, how is a process- that doesn't really look at actual character or actual numbers, but really cares about whether you're likable and gave a good interview. Is that a, is that what we really want to determine well, the hall of fame?
0: And, and I mean, then why isn't Sammy Sosa that guy who totally. just got knocked off the ballot? I mean, Sammy Sosa's fun. Sammy Sosa gives great interviews, you know, it, it, Sammy Sosa is a, a beloved known person. Like You know, there's everybody knows his name. He's a household name. Why didn't get he get to be the guy that they're like? Because I don't I mean, isn't he just a rumored positive?
1: He is. Sammy never failed a test.
0: Yeah. So, you know, you got the cork bat. But I don't know. Maybe that was only the one time, although I never believe that it's ever one time. Um, you got the, you know, just kind of how his teammates didn't like him at the end and walking out on the Cubs at the end. I know a lot of fans have a problem with that, but I mean, you know, if you're going to put in Ortiz and you're going to let Sammy drop off, like it just doesn't feel fair. I mean, as a Cubs fan, especially I'm biased is what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Sammy for a second, because I think it's a good comp with Ortiz. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago, because Ken Rosenthal wrote a piece where he was kind of like, eh, having a hard time seeing how I can vote for Ortiz and not Sammy, but I just don't think my vote's going to matter for Sammy, so I'm doing it. Um, And I was like, wow, well, thanks, I guess, but that's sad for Sammy. The person I heard on this a couple days ago, right before the announcement, is Claire Smith, who does have a vote and was being interviewed by Ken Rosenthal, on a Hall of Fame YouTube special for The Athletic. And he asked her about voting for Sammy. And she said she's always been voting for Sammy because Sammy is getting a bad rap. He doesn't have a failed test. It's a lot of innuendo. And she feels like he has been just sort of dealt this hand of being tarred with a scandal that he never was technically, he doesn't have the Balco stuff behind him, right? Like he doesn't have all the evidence that you had against some of these other guys. He just has guilt by association, and I thought that was fascinating from Claire Smith. And I know a lot of Cubs fans agree. His 609 home runs.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, so he's, he's got more home runs than big pop. I mean, he's got more war than big poppy, you know? So it's, if anybody deserves from a baseball standpoint, it would be Sammy over Ortiz. If you're just going to pick one or over the other, uh, you'd love to have them both on your team though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> steroids are nuts or no steroids. You know, I mean, uh, Sammy Sosa, I don't know if he hits, you know, 70 home runs or whatever, 66 home runs. I don't know if he does that, uh, but I bet you he hits 50. Right. You know, I, I bet you he hits in that era. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to say what's, what would have happened without the steroids, but when, but when you've got kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge thing about it, when you've got an unregulated situation, like I remember when they used to sell you, I mean, they, they used Players used to take uh, mini thins, the truck stop pills. It's just speed, you know, and then they oh had to make that illegal. But that's only been illegal for like 12, 13 years now. So, you know, they chase this stuff around. They always make new stuff because, you know, science. But, um, you know, now that you got to get a special if you want ADD medication, Ritalin or whatever it is, they're on a lot of it. But, you know, these guys are doing this and that here and there. And some of them are getting away with it. They got to be because uh, I don't I mean, pee in the cup. How how often, you know, like I'm sure there's some teams that have scams like you've caught the Astros cheating. There's somebody cheating still. And it's nice that they're trying to uh, crack down on it and make a huge example of somebody like Barry Bonds being like, uh, you know, you're out like they did with Pete Rose over the gambling, but you know, now they're now the MLB is a gambling syndicate. So I don't even know, uh, you know, where, I don't know where we're drawing lines anymore. And I understand that these things change and the borders of sanity and morality are constantly moving around. But you know, now I just, it's, you know, fake news is what it feels like.
1: I mean, I was going to say, you were talking about the Pete Rose experience earlier. I was like, that could be coming to a DraftKings near you at a ballpark. Like, Why not? MLB has a contract with gambling at the moment, as far as I can tell, to legalize sports betting. And it's just bananas that like most of the people who are on MLB's ineligible list are there because of ties to gambling or ties to fixing games or anything like that. It's like, we're, but MLB does gambling now. So I, I don't really know how you square that circle. I want to go back to one thing Maybe here,
0: though. They're, they're going to end up selling drugs now in 20 years. <laughs> <Just> God.
1: <laughs> uh, you know.
0: <laughs> just open, uh, opening up a, a set of, like, muscle head jibs.
1: <laughs> Definitely not taking that bet. I'm sure some <laughs> commissioner in the future will be like, guys, here's how we could make some money. Um <laughs> I want to go back because we just compared Ortiz and Sammy. And I totally agree with you that Sammy has a better hall of fame case just by the numbers than Ortiz does. Now I recognize why that didn't happen and his vote totals never even came close, but let's talk about the three most egregious, like these dudes are on the ballot. They're obviously very good. And we're really apparently just not going to put them in the hall of fame ever. And I I'm kind of stunned by this. Cause I thought as the vote totals kept cre- creeping up, that like perhaps Bonds or Schilling, or or not Schilling, Bonds or Clemens would get in or something and and, and they didn't they they just never did. Um, in the top twenty players all time by FanGraphs War, two of them are on this ballot. One of them is Barry Bonds. Uh, he is the second best player by FanGraphs War of all time behind Babe Ruth. He accumulated one hundred and sixty four point four F War during his career, which is which is just an absurd number. Alex Rodriguez is 13th. Alex Rodriguez uh, accumulated 113.7 fan graphs war during his career. That is literally the gap between those two players is David Ortiz. David Ortiz accumulated 51 fan graphs war during his career. That is literally the difference between an Alex Rodriguez and a Barry Bonds. And Barry Bonds, not on the ballot anymore. Like he didn't get the votes. Fewer people voted for him than Ortiz. He's off until the veterans committee deals with it. A-Rod was in his first year, but it's not looking really good for him. He got like what, 30, 40% of the vote. Like it's, it's 34.3. It's, it's really not looking good for (laughs) A-Rod.
0: No, they love A-Rod. A-Rod's going to be out there. And unless he really does something stupid, which I mean, I don't put it past him and and unless he really screws up, he's going to get in because this is, you know, he's got what, 10 years. Yeah. Now he's got I'll 10 be, years.
1: He's nine now, nine, nine more times yeah. on the ballot.
0: Well, he's out there. He's dating Madonna. He's doing all the things. He's probably going to be in a movie. He's going to do, you know, he's going to volunteer with kids the last few years. He's going to get himself in there. Um, I, th- I think, but uh, that's because people are going to talk about all this.
1: because if A-Rod gets in after he failed two tests, and then you've got Barry Bonds hanging out here as like, look, i I was doing some research for this piece and every time you do research on Barry Bonds, you, you just find things that you're like, that can't be true. Like he had his 37 year old season. He had an on base percentage of six Oh nine, Danny, like what? <laughs> 600. Yeah. That's yeah. N-
0: he They walked had- him all the time. You wouldn't pitch to him as why, you know, cause if you did, he was just going to get on anyway or make it worse for you with he a double or a homer
1: plus slugging. Of yeah. over a thousand for thirteen seasons in a row, including before yeah. the steroid era, by the way, yeah. and the only reason he didn't have fifteen is because in two thousand and six, I believe it was, his on base plus slugging was point nine nine
0: nine, yeah, on. I mean, he was ridiculously good. They're just drawing that line there now, and I'm saying that they'll probably move the line if if it's unpopular and I don't know how the players feel about it. It'll be interesting to see when it comes up to the players, because a lot of guys will be like, yeah, he was amazing at baseball and he was hard to get out and um, all that stuff. They're going to be very complimentary of his baseball playing skills, whether they will vote him in right away on the veterans committee based upon his numbers and just him being that good anyway. I don't know, because I think a lot of, baseball players of the, especially the veterans who were clean. Uh, they probably think he's a cheater and they don't like him. So they might not vote for him. So it's just going to be interesting to see what unfolds because the line's going to move. But when you've got so many good players linked to this, that just aren't going to be in the hall of fame. I think they should make their own wing. Just be like these the guys big asterisk get in, on it. <laughs> like yeah. The
1: asterisk wing the asterisk of the hall of fame. <laughs>
0: wing and move some guys already in there into it
1: yes do you it know what i mean Love put
0: Pat anson in there oh yeah this dude's a racist put this guy who like killed his wife now he's in the totally know, in it they put yes they go in the asterisk section for the character clause you know and you know what's going to be the most popular exhibit in the museum That the asterisk
1: wing <laughs> exactly <laughs> Like, I want to go uh, see, I want to go see the bad men of baseball.
0: Exactly. You open a bar in there. Oh, geez. No, <laughs> oh yeah. No, you I could, actually.
1: you could serve cocktails.
0: Oh yeah. The Andra Com-
1: the Andra martini.
0: Yeah. You whatever. could smoke no, what, there. Home uh, is the
1: QAnon thing. What is the thing that Mark McGuire took? Like, I can't remember what it's called. Andra oh, something. Oh yeah. Andra. It, yeah, Andra. Like Andra. That. and The Andro Andra, martini. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, to call it all things like that.
1: Sorry for bringing oh, up QAnon, on listeners. My apologies. Well,
0: year and year and years ago, I uh, wished that they would just have an all-drug league. You know, just let these guys do whatever they want. That's you know technically legal to do in society, and uh, let's just see what happens. Let's move the fences back. You know what I mean? Let's see what happens. Um, you know, kind of like a, what, what do they call the arena football of baseball, kind of thing. You know. <laughs> So, but uh, no, I mean, cause the, the re- these are harmful substances and that's a, that's a thing. It's like, they do help, they do work, you know, that's for sure. But they have, uh, like most drugs have uh, side effects. So that's why they want to get away from it. And if some guys are doing it and some guys aren't, you know, it just doesn't seem fair. So you got to draw the line somewhere on this stuff.
1: Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. I wish Mr. Selig would have drawn that line a lot sooner and we wouldn't have to have this conversation now, but he's just comfortably ensconced in Cooperstown doing his doing his thing not worried about it um
0: he's in the Bud Selig experience in Milwaukee right now
1: I cannot imagine anything more boring than the Bud Selig experience (laughs) you know what is not more boring than the Bud Selig experience a couple of words from our sponsors we are going to take a quick break for some uh support from those ads and then on the flip side we're talking all things with the collective bargaining agreement and where we're at on whether or not there will be a season in 2022. Stay tuned. We are back. Uh, Danny, there's some movement here. Finally, Uh, the lockout to speed up negotiations didn't really speed up anything, but it does appear that the two sides are exchanging details and talking again. I want to talk about a couple of things here. The first is that, you know, MLB finally responded to the MLBPA offer about a week and a half ago. It, it, it was not sufficient, but they they did respond. And then the players came back pretty quick with an offer of their own. I believe where we stand at the moment, it looks like the league minimum is going to go up, although the player's number and the owner's number are pretty far apart. And they're far apart in an important way. So currently, the a minimum... Player, a player making the league minimum would would make about five hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year. You would prorate that over the time that they would be in the league. MLB is proposing that that number goes up to six hundred and fifteen thousand. The problem with that, as was pointed out on Twitter, and I'm forgetting who tweeted it, so I'm sorry I can't give you credit for it, um, is that that's actually a decline off the minimum from the last contract in real terms. Like if you look at inflation and the cost of the, of rising prices 615 is actually lower than what the minimum wage would have started at in the last negotiation so that's got to come up 615 is, is going to be a non-starter it should be from the player side i believe the players are requesting 700 or 750 as yeah. the as the league minimum and i'm all for that I, you know i we talked on the show before about how there are so many more players making that league minimum now you can just look at your favorite team how many people on your favorite team are just some random guy that got plucked from AAA to come man, well, some position, right? Like
0: if, if you're the Orioles a lot, if <laughs> so, you're the I Cubs
1: mean, a lot, I mean, who on yeah, this team well, is making year, more
0: yeah, than the, the end, minimum yeah. right now. Yeah. Well, I, I tweeted this out earlier today. Um, and I did look these numbers up. I, I could be wrong cause I'm not the mathiest of, of men, but, um, team, team <laughs> owners, Team owners could pay all their MLB and AAA players on the rosters $1 million and take on the salaries, the Major League salaries, of the Pirates, Orioles, Guardians, and Marlins and still be under the luxury tax. Oh, for the love. So, you know, so you're telling me, you know, oh, 500000 It's like, no, you can afford this. You can pay all the guys a million. Like, I think, I think the players started too low. Like, you're a Major League Baseball player. You're one of, like, 800 people at any given time in the whole world that are allowed to all over the world that are allowed to play this game. That is an elite club should make a million bucks in this day and age. I mean, what do you play in New York city? You can't even get a Brownstone of Brooklyn for a million bucks. You know what I mean? Like they, and these guys have finite careers based upon injury. I mean, and they work their whole lives to get there. They should make a million dollars. I think it's even too low. So yeah, they're going to raise that up. But one thing I thought was interesting, I mean, it doesn't seem like anything's on the table for the owners. Like they're like, no, we would like to keep it exactly how it is.
1: Well, of course um, they would. Cause that makes them more money. T-
0: yeah, exactly. So the six, I don't know that 700, 615, like I don't really, it's not going to even make a difference with the owner's profitability. I think. Um, some of the other things I I know that you wrote down in the notes here about, uh, the five to they now the players say that we are taking the five years. till free agency off the table. And, uh, so they kind of blinked pretty quickly there, uh, would have been six years what they were trying to go for. And that didn't work out, but, um, it doesn't seem like the owners are giving any concessions. Everything that you hear coming back. It's from the players giving a concession of something they kind of had been rumored to be asking for.
1: Well, and I think that's strategic on the part of the players at the moment. And I know it might not sound that way, but here's why. I think that they put forth an offer that was like, this is our pie in the sky. This is everything we want. We want to take a year off free agency so we get to free agency quicker. We want a lot more money uh for the minimum salaries, we want you to fix the super two rules, whatever. Like they had like this whole list of things that were like, here's our ideal world as players. And the owners, as you as you mentioned, are were just pretty intransigent and like, I we don't want any of this. And they've been doing their whole thing where, oh, pity pity the poor small market teams. Whatever will they do if they have to pay players at some point in their existence and or lose a star. Uh, One year earlier than they were going to, I I have no idea what will become of the Royals if that were to happen, but apparently that's what MLB wants us to be concerned about. The players are trying to show that they are moving here, that like they're fast. MLB comes at us with an offer. We make a response. We're not slowing this thing down. We're not the reason there's going to be a delay of games. The players made an offer in December that the owners didn't counter for six weeks. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. Six weeks, Danny. Like we spent six weeks here doing deep dives on concepts in free agency where there was no news because they were not talking because the owners didn't make a proposal.
0: Yeah. and, And it was six weeks in which they had locked out the players while saying that they were locking them out to speed up negotiations. And then they didn't say anything. They all went to Barbados for Christmas.
1: It's like it's so, literally your move, and you're not making a move.
0: Yeah, they're like, "Oh, you didn't get my text? Oh, I totally <laughs> thought I said that. <laughs> that's, Sorry, that's I was Dick for.
1: Also, can we talk about the fact that the Rockies dude is leading these negotiations for MLB? Like, I, I just, <laughs> I every time I read this, I'm like, okay, you looked at the entire array of people who could lead this team, and the guy you picked is the one who is has the worst team and organization in the league. Like the guy who just like constantly messes. Like What? Please explain this to me. I do not understand.
0: I can't, but I, I I can ensure that after this is all over, somehow the Cardinals will benefit. I can (laughs) guarantee you that.
1: As far as I can tell, the Rockies are a Cardinals farm system right now. It's like, Oh, would (laughs) would you like our future of first ballot hall of fame, third baseman? We will pay you to take him. We'll
0: pay. We'll pay. (laughs) Oh man. Brutal. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, they're talking and that, and I agree with you that the players are definitely trying to move things along. It seemed like the pace of conversations has picked up. Um, They're only finding very little common ground. And one of those common ground places is uh, unfortunately for me uh, and big poppy, the DH. And, and I'm not a fan of that style of baseball. I prefer the national league current national league style of baseball, but it seems like every that that's something that's kind of like a done deal, uh, you know, kind of died in the wool. And then, uh, the other thing they can find common ground on is probably expanded playoffs. Um, but, uh, I don't know that kind of cheapens the playoffs and it's, it's, I know that the, the, I think the owners want, 14 teams. It's absurd. They want
1: basically half the league. I mean, that's, they would love half, the, half league. the league. And the
0: players are more like actually 12 and they're talking some 14 with a buy week for the winner of the, I guess the American or national league. And I'm kind of like, well, you, that's not even what you want. You well, know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, it's, it is baseball. There's call it's called momentum. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's a thing. And you can't screw up and be like, oh, let's go sit on a beach and watch tape and and get all freaking uh, tight over that time because they'll get tight. They'll be thinking about it. They'll be watching the games. They'll get tight and they won't win. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's all stupid. I don't uh, – 12, fine. That's kind of at least more even to me, you know, in a way.
1: So I'm not a huge fan of the expanded playoffs for – A couple reasons. I know it's gonna happen. I know there's nothing that can stop it. There's a ton of money there for TV deals, for the streaming rights, for the games, and anytime there's money and the owners can push something, they're they're going to do it. But think back to when they did the expanded playoffs in 2020 and three teams from the NL Central make it into this expanded playoffs. Why did three teams from the one of the worst divisions in baseball make it in to this playoff structure like just just structurally thinking about it for a second it's because the the division is weak relative to other divisions but they were only playing themselves really so because they were only playing themselves they like put that they, they got this huge lead in terms of the number of wins that they had beating up on each other and so you had three weak teams from the NL Central who I think all lost in the first round like I think all yeah, of the NL did. Central teams were out immediately and they that barely even fun, scored a right? run it, was, it wasn't fun at all. It was like that um, Eagles game the other day in the NFL where everybody was like, oh, the Eagles definitely don't belong here. Well, that's because the NFC East is weak this year. And if you watched NFC East games, you would have seen that all season. Everybody who watched those games knew <laughs> that the Eagles didn't belong in the playoffs. What is the point of bumping up some team who's in a mediocre division racking up their wins against some bottom feeders into a, onto a stage that is not going to be competitive?
0: Yeah, and I think that's one uh actual actual proposal from the players that I'm really uh, kind of behind in in a big way, which is the their um, their efforts to stop tanking. So if you know the with the revenue sharing for the the smaller markets, um because you know that's the that's uncompetitive baseball is not fun to watch. So it's like I would rather a bunch of teams all be pretty good with like either like 600 teams or 400 teams and every game would be competitive and interesting to watch. Every game would be a battle. Um, and that would, there would be some parody and not one third of the league, just completely tanking too. So, but you know, that I, and I don't even know why the owners would like it that way. I mean, it, there's the only people sitting at Camden yards right now have paper bags on their heads. Well, so it's, The owners
1: want it that way because they can do two things. One, they get money for the playoff rights. And two, they don't have to put together that competitive of a team to to make it to the playoffs. They can sell their fans on, hey, we're a playoff team at 81 wins.
0: As I said, all four of the bottom payroll teams, plus paying your AAA players and your major league players $1 million for everybody on the roster, and you still are not hitting the luxury tax. So I don't want to hear it. (laughs) It's basically how I feel about it. And if you can't afford more, then you can't have a baseball team. And then we should be talking about contraction and not expansion. You know, put one in Puerto Rico, put one in, put one in the DR. Let's get international. They say they want to grow the sport. Mexico
1: city, man. Mexico Mexico, city would be a great place for a team.
0: Baja, Baja, California. They play baseball down there. It's California except Baja.
1: Can you imagine? So, and I know you spent some time down uh, watching some baseball in Puerto Rico, so you're you're familiar with this. Can you imagine how some traditionalist heads would explode when the Latin American style of play just started clashing? Like the St. Louis Cardinals play a team from Puerto Rico, and all of a sudden there's bat flips and like people celebrating and all of the all of the bands and stuff. I think it would be the most amazing thing in the history of the world.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. And so show it to us because that's what we want to see. Mr. I'm trying to save a dying sport. And we're like, but we want to see this. No, you can't see that. We want to see bad flips. No, those are bad. (laughs) You know, it's ridiculous. You know, we want to see more action in the game. No, we just want home runs and strikeouts. Okay. Have fun. Have fun. I'm going to go watch soccer.
1: Speaking of action, another proposal that hit the news this week that I'm curious how you feel about it is this sudden death rule that they're proposing or that they'll be practicing in the Frontier League, uh, which is an independent league, this next season. And the sudden death rule would work like this at, if a game is tied at the end of nine innings, they would play the 10th inning as normal. If the game is still tied at the end of 10 innings, you would basically flip a coin, and whoever wins the coin flip would choose whether they wanted to be hitting or defending. And if the hitting team scores a run, they get to start with a runner on first base, not second. If the hitting team scores a run over the course of three outs, they win, it's over. If the defending team stops the hitting team from scoring a run over three outs, they win, it's over. Sudden death, MLB style. I hate it, but I'm curious what you think, Danny.
0: I, I, I mean, fine, in the Pioneer League. Yeah, that's not major league <laughs> baseball. I mean, these guys, what they're trying to do is get it so that these dudes can throw 102 miles an hour, 12 pitches a game, and then they can do it, you know, every other day or something. You know, they're they're trying to save all these arms, but you know, the if you really pitch, if you really are, are I mean, hitting you can, and let but unless you're injured with one of your hitting muscles, like you know, you can pretty much do it every day, but uh, but with the they're trying to preserve these pitchers so they can specialize everything in the sport and not play as much because it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint and baseball's 162 games. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the things that we find out is that they lower the number of games that they play in the major leagues in order to have more playoff games. You know, I wouldn't, because they're always trying to play less and I don't understand it. Um, I I understand why you'd want to do something for the pace of play, but I hate all the new extra innings rules. I think you should have to play till you have a winner. Um, I mean, that, that's the purest in me, I guess. I mean, they're going to change whatever they want to change. I hated the runner on second rule. Um, although, I will say this about it, to argue against my own point, of, or just my preference. It was more exciting. Because when there's a runner on second, nobody out in the 10th inning, that's an exciting part of the game as opposed to when there's like this war of attrition where they run out of bullpen guys and, you know, and you end up with this, but then you'll never end up with a situation like where John Baker gets a win in the 16th inning. That'll never happen again. As long as these new extra rules are in place, but I don't know. It's they're futzing with too much for the, all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I agree. They're, They're just trying to end the game. They're not trying to make it better, you know? Doesn't it also
1: but, seem a little ironic that the people who run baseball keep trying to come up with ways for there to be substantially less of it? They're like, oh, no, can't have that 13th inning. Oh, no. Like, I think I think of some of those long games, some of those epic marathon games, and I get it. If you're a writer or a player, and this is like game 58 of 162 for you, you probably don't want to be up till two or three o'clock in the morning when you have to get up and do it again the next day. And so I understand from yeah, a- so win it a, earlier. From an employee perspective, why you would want to try to minimize some of this stuff. But one, those games are very few. Like, it's not like there's a ton of 14, 15, 16 inning marathon games. And two, the ones that happen, they all have these epic endings and things that, like the John Baker game is a perfect example. I want to see the backup catcher throw a scoreless inning and then score the winning run. I, I, I think that's incredible. I think that's one of those things that can only happen in baseball and it's what makes baseball great. And I do not understand for the life of me why the people who run this sport keep trying to limit the cool things that happen in baseball.
0: Yeah. No, I I don't understand it either. I mean, and that's the other thing that you lose with the DH as well is that there is a style of play at a very high level where John Lester lays down a bunt and scores Jason Hayward in an exciting play to end a series sweep against the Mariners in 2016. You know, like that stuff's going to be over forever. And it's just it's sad to me that they're always trying to take away. I mean, even the robot umpire situation, you know, as much as we all want umpires to be really good at their job, there's another answer to it than having an automated strike zone that they're bringing to AAA. Um, There's, you know, maybe hire umpires with better eyes. Maybe hire a woman to be an umpire every now and again. Um, You know, I don't know. There's other answers, but they're always trying to, kind of homogenize the sport. And part of me wonders if it has to do with their them now being in bed with the gambling syndicate, that they're trying to cut down on things that could be done that could go to chance. Like a ball or a strike. It'd be very easy to not give Kyle Hendricks the outside corner um for an umpire, but the uh the the pitching uh umpire or the uh, robot umpire will uh We'll call it a strike.
1: I don't yeah, know. I think I I think that's a. It's going to be interesting to see what the robot amps look like in AAA. It's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on next year. I might need to make a couple of twi- trip a couple of trips. Wow, well, I am having a day, Danny. A couple <laughs> of trips to Iowa to see how that plays out in action because I. I, you know, I, I ostensibly like the idea that the strike zone would be standardized. I also think that fans are going to see some pitches all of a sudden that they're like, "That can't be a strike,"
0: because yeah, the actual
1: yeah. rule book strike zone is is very different than what we have conceived of as the strike zone yeah. over the years. So that'll be a that'll be a fascinating thing to watch players and fans get used to.
0: Yeah, and fortunately, they're not going to be doing doing it in Iowa. They'll be doing it uh, mostly in the West Coast, but I think some of the are those of the Cubs teams will play in those stadiums. I don't know how it's it's like the El Paso Chihuahuas are doing it and stuff like that. You know, the Albuquerque isotopes or whatever they're called now.
1: Right. Totally.
0: But well, but it, 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 it will be interesting to see, but you know, that we're kind of off topic, but yeah, they're doing everything they can to change the game in ways that we already told them that we don't want to see. So they're, they're trying to get new fans by alienating their old fans. And I just don't know it's going to work. Because I don't know, like it's it doesn't mean I'm not going to watch a sudden death baseball game if that's what they decide to do. I'll still enjoy it. But I i don't think I'm going to like it as much. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, back in the day, we used to see cool things. And now we don't see that anymore.
1: Yeah, we're going to be those old people in the stands being like, remember that time we saw a yeah, 15 no, inning game?
0: Happens I mean, to is- all of us
1: there was that game. The Cubs played against the Mets that like got so late. They went back to it the next day and the Cubs wind up getting their win like 24 hours after the game started. Cause I think there was a storm or something that canceled it in like the 12th inning. I just remember yeah, Zobrist and- winning that game and there were no stands, no fans in the stand at all.
0: Just setting us up for 2020. <laughs> um, yeah. I No, I, it's all those kind of games. And that used to happen as a kid all the time, not all the time, but it would c- get called on darkness. In if you'd have a game at Wrigley Field, especially when they did those 305 specials on uh, Fridays, usually, I think. And then, so that game would usually, well, back then, ended at about 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Now the, it would end about 7, but you get some of those into September and it's getting dark and they couldn't see and they would call the game if it was going too long, pick it up the next day.
1: I mean, so, that is why yeah. we have the Homer and the Gloman, right? Like before there were yeah. lights... That ball got lost in the dusk. Like it's one of the greatest things that happened. It, it probably
0: wasn't even a Homer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll never know. It probably the just glominated. got caught in the
0: ivy and nobody saw it.
1: <laughs> uh if there Too are dark. any Homers in the Gloman coming in the future, or there are uh robot um stories that Danny and I wind up sharing with future fans. We will be talking about all of them here on at Cup of Cubby Blue. In the meantime, Danny, I hear you finally tweeted out that picture that we were talking about on a previous show of your mom playing baseball as a nun. If people want to see that picture and all the other great content that you're creating, where can they find you?
0: Um, it's a, at Sunranto on Twitter. And uh, actually, it's a video of my mother. Uh, it looks like I can't tell if it's a baseball or a softball. She's throwing back and forth. Probably it looks like a softball. But yeah, she's full habit, and it's it's on my Twitter from today. I just tweeted that out today, and today is uh, the 27th, uh, Thursday, the 27th of January. But uh, a quick plug, I'm opening a show uh, at Trapdoor Theater that I wrote all the music for. It's called The Martyrdom of Peter O'Hay, and uh, that's uh, on uh, Cortland Street over in Bucktown, we open next Thursday, uh, which is February 3rd and run for six weeks, Thursdays through Saturday. And it's a really cool show. I wrote a lot of uh, cool like circusy music. So if you're familiar with my Cub stuff, it's nothing like that. It's, a, it's completely different. And um, so uh, I'd love it if you guys came out and saw it. I want you to see it, Sarah. You're going to love it. Yeah, I can't avant-garde, wait. Avant-garde circus music. It's an hour long which that's a big sell for people like oh it's only an hour. And the, uh, and it's, it's just a great show. You're going to love it. Nicole Wiesner, my girlfriend, host oh, fiance. Uh, she uh, directed it. And um, anyway, it's a great show and I hope you guys hope you come. And I hope uh, everybody listening to this will at least consider it and check out the website trapdoor theater spelled with a R E not a E R because we're fancy like that at, at the end. Dot that's com. that's awesome.
1: Com. I cannot wait to check it out. I'm a huge fan of your my work. plug. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of your work. I'm a huge fan of Nicole's work. You definitely have my curiosity peaked with Avant Circus Guard as the theme. I will, I will certainly be checking that out. Um, you can hear what I think about the show at the Trapdoor Theater and baseball, all things baseball at my account at BCB underscore Sarah. You can hear what Danny and I are talking about on the show at, at Cup of Cubby Blue. And until next time, you will find all of our Cubs news, updates, and banter there. See you next time.